0: Welcome back to the Talking Thomas podcast, uh, your podcast for all things Thomas the Tank Engine and all associated products. Uh, I'm Tony. And I'm Orion. And we're here to be your guide to everything that is related to Thomas, whether it be the show itself, Shining the Time Station, or in fact, the Railway series. And this is the uh, first of a new series of podcasts we're doing. Because uh, you you might have heard some of our episode commentaries or some of our Shining Time Station commentaries. This is going to be a little bit different in that, aside from when we did our best and worst of video uh, podcast, rather, this is the first time that we're not going to be doing a commentary. Uh, well, it is still sort of a commentary, but it's not a commentary of anything that you can watch. Rather, it is a commentary of a book. Uh, to celebrate the 75th anniversary of the first publishing of it, and I realize that we're a good couple of weeks behind, but I would consider the entire year to be the 75th anniversary of the series. We're going to be discussing The Three Railway Engines, the book that started it all.
1: Absolutely. Um, And uh, so if you have your, uh, you know, this will certainly help if you have A copy of the three railway engines for sure um if you uh, have one of the complete collection editions that would be awesome to follow along um but we won't be going line for line we'll uh, just kind of be discussing our general feelings on each story throughout the book right um and uh and maybe a bit of uh overview of the history of the book um oh for sure in a certain way um but yeah so this is this will be something different for us but um, of course, this is, this is where it all started, and um, we're going to enjoy it.
0: It's going to be a lot of fun. I, I've been looking forward, because uh, we started discussing this idea quite a while ago that we'd be doing Railway Series book reviews. And so I'm really excited now that we're here doing it. So now, depending on which version of Three Railway Engines you have, uh, three, three Railway Engines is known for being the only book that doesn't have a forward, Unless you live in Japan. Because for some reason, when it was printed in Japan, the reverend did write a forward to it, which I found interesting. Uh, Also, uh, for one of the anniversaries in 1990, in in the 1990s, Christopher also wrote a forward to the three Railway Engines. But it was only the, uh, the reverend's forward was only released in Japan. And Christopher's forward was only released in the 1998 version. And I think all subsequent publishings of it. I know certainly the one in the complete collection does not include the forward. Right. Absolutely. So um,
1: let's just start, uh, Tony, what was your introduction to the railway series in particular? Of course, um, I would say probably, you know, 99% of the current Thomas fandom did not start out reading the Railway Series, um, especially Americans. All. It was not introduced to America until after the TV series. Um, so how did you you know, come to discover the Railway Series and, uh, and particularly this book?
0: Well, like most of, I think this is the same way that you would have discovered it, uh, certainly the way that many people that would be listening might have discovered it, uh, through the TV series, of course. Uh, you know, I was born in in the early nineties. And so I, my first experience with it was actually through the TV series. And of course, when you're little, you might be aware of the credit that says based on the railway series by the Reverend W. Audrey. But to me, that was just another name. You know, Uh, I didn't really take any notice of it. And then when I was about, I want to say eight or nine for my birthday my parents got me this book that was the complete collection and i you know i didn't think it was going to be any different than the tv series and as i started reading it i started noticing that it was pretty much the same as several of the tv episodes uh, but there were other stories that weren't on tv and uh, that some of the stories were worded differently or you know were entirely different in fact in some cases So that was my introduction to the railway series. Of course, I didn't realize that it was the railway series until a few years later. uh, And when I started getting online and then, you know, I looked up certain stories and, oh, this was a railway series only story. And I was like, oh, so this is the railway series. Uh, And of course, the complete collection is only uh, it's a bit of a misnomer because it's only uh, the complete Reverend W. Audrey series. It's not all of the railway series. It would be a fair few years until I got Christopher's series. But uh, the complete collection was my introduction to, of course, the book version of three railway engines uh what what was yours orion um similar um you know grew up um i was born in
1: the mid 90s um so my first introduction was to the tv series um and i did get the complete collection sometime in the late 90s um mm. before uh, i certainly before 2000 okay. um i got the the complete collection um and uh so it was probably sh- not long after it was published in ninety seven, um, right? For uh, you know, right around that time uh, yes. that the Reverend passed. Um, but the but the complete collection um, I did have, and uh, the version that I have now is actually my second copy. I uh, my hmm. original copy, uh, a lot of the the uh, the covers fell off, the pages fell off, and I think I ended up losing uh, losing it. But I. I have to say, I did not uh, really gravitate towards it as a child. Uh, I really didn't. Um, I, I remember flipping through it every once in a while, and looking at the illustrations mostly, uh, right. and thinking that the later illustrations uh, by Peter and for Edwards were odd. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, But I, I can't say that I ever really actually sat down and read the stories, really, um, until I, uh, you know, probably around the time I was... 11 or 12, I pulled it out again, um, because I started getting into the Thomas fan community with SIF and, um, and then, uh, and then later my own forum, Timoth forums, um, that I really started um, looking at the railway series and, and really enjoying it in great detail and reading more about the history of the railway series. Um, and then, you know, and, and since then, obviously I've read, I've read all the books and listened, uh, to the audio books of the Christopher books, most of them. Right. Um, but uh but yeah, so uh that's pretty much my introduction to the Railway Series and then specifically the three railway engines. Um, you know, I just that's kinda where I started when I decided to um read the Railway series when I became uh you know, a kind of a, a a next level Thomas fan. Right. Um online. So I did start to read right from the beginning and, and pretty much read all the books all the way through pretty much, I do believe. Um at least of the, the first
0: twenty six. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And one of the things that I've noticed, and I'm sure that if you're someone like me or like the two of us, really, who grew up with the TV series first, it's it's very interesting having that, you know, growing up with the TV series and then reading the railway series. It's so fascinating because, as I said, some of the stories are slightly different or completely different in a few cases. But so are some of the characters. And what I mean by that is that the look of some of these characters is actually quite different from how they're eventually realized on screen. Uh, I know we won't be getting to this review for several episodes, of course, but the star Railway engines are all one uniform color. Uh, they're all red. And so, you know, when I was reading through that, that was something that really sort of stood out to me is that, oh, Peter Sam's not green, Sir so Handel's not blue. Now, of course, they are in *Deep The Lost Engine, but that's another story entirely.
1: <laughs> right, absolutely. And uh, what's interesting, really, um, you know, we keep referring to the fact that, you know, as I said, 99% of the Thomas fans now obviously will experience the TV series or or merchandising before right. visiting the Railway series. But what's so interesting is that the Railway series was around for, uh, you know, what, uh 39 years before uh before the tv series so for 39 years people experienced the railway series in its you know in in its just purest form as as the books and as um records um right and and any other sort of adaptation um and so then
0: with one exception of course
1: well right of course the 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 ill-fated 50s uh one one time live outing um which, but in in yeah, general, you know, for, for, for yes, for thirty nine years though, um, yeah, the 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 railway series was what it was, right? Um, and so it's a, amazing that as soon as the TV series came out, then it's the complete opposite. Everyone who gets introduced to Thomas gets introduced to it through the TV series, yes, and then they would get introduced to the railway series if they do ever. Um, mm-hmm. You know of course, in the US the railway series is not really given any sort of major regard and neither really it appears I'm, of course you and I aren't from the uk right and It appears in the uk it's also not really given it do um, it, It's a due necessarily it's, not it's, that it's the never really should... treated as serious children's literature either um, right. in the same way that something like say um, Winnie the Pooh or right uh, or Babar or anything like that is so it, quite interesting.
0: The, the only exception I can think of is that at least the railway series does get, if not a full reprint, then at least the first 26 books did a reprint every 10 or so years. Uh, whereas <laughs> in, in the U S they kind of don't unless the complete collection gets a full reprint. Right. Yeah. And then of course in the early
1: two thousands, we got the, uh, the just horrid random house, Editions of the railway series with the zoomed in photos or uh, illustrations, I should say, and uh, um, you know, and good to have the original stories out there. I'm not complaining about totally, but but the fact that they were, uh, yeah, just completely mutilated um, was a was a real shame. Uh, But but yeah, absolutely, it's great that in the in the UK you can still buy the original you know, size, you know, small books for small yes. hands. That was the whole idea behind uh, the original publisher in doing that. Um, but those, uh, you can still buy those original editions. So that that's exactly. a nice thing.
0: Exactly. It is. So I, I guess now that we've sort of talked about our introduction <laughs> to the stories themselves, let's get into, well, the stories. And of course we start off with Edward's Day Out, which was first it's funny that you know nineteen four 1940, that uh, 1945 is of course the publishing of three railway engines but the story has its genesis in 1942 back when christopher was three years old and was ill in bed and wilbert or the reverend was trying to come up with a story to uh console a sick child Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And um, you know, and it's
1: it has the interesting thing in in the evolution of the railway series, of course, and, and this will become uh, you know something that I'm sure we'll touch on. And and it's noticeable if if you read the railway series from beginning to end, is yeah. that the the storytelling style, of course, changes, um, and specifically even with the you know the very beginning of Edward's Day Out starts with the words "Once upon a time." So this is mm-hmm. already um, a more fairy tale esque. Um, you know Cinderella esque story, um, versus the later stories, which are um more interpersonal stories, really. Um, yes. With engines, basically, but this is this is definitely more of a story, a storyteller, a, a fairy tale type story. Yes. Um, and that's what that's what makes these earlier railway series stories interesting. Um, and also throughout the story too, there's a lot more, um, and especially in the, the earlier ones, there's a lot more um, repetitive phrases and repetition and, um, and automatopoeia. So a lot of, um, a lot of peep, peep, peeps. And, uh, and a lot of the trickery truck,
0: trickery truck,
1: trickity truck, yeah. trickity truck, exactly. Um And, you know, that's quite similar to similar stories of the era, such as The Little Engine That Could, you know, with the the constant repetition of I think I can, I think I can. And then even in 1941 with Dumbo, um, you know, with uh, with Casey Jr., similar thing, just using the the natural sounds of a steam locomotive and giving it emotion by including the uh, repetitive nature of its sounds. Um, was not an original idea, but uh, was one that was adapted well into the railway series, but dropped for the most part later on um, for much stronger dialogue and and stronger Mm -hmm. prose writing in general from, yes.
0: Now, of course we have to bear in mind that these original, at least the first three stories were never originally meant to even be published. They were very simple bedtime stories that a father was telling his child. And, Really, it wasn't until Margaret Audrey convinced uh, the reverend to, that they should be published that he even thought about publishing them. He was actually very resistant to at the beginning.
1: Right, of course. Yeah,
0: absolutely. And, uh,
1: and of course, we have to touch on the fact that the original book um, did have illustrations by William Middleton. <laughs> yes. Um, not, uh, not the redone illustrations that, that all of us would. Would know today um, by C. Reginald Dalby. Right, who illustrated the next several books in the series. Um, William Middleton's illustrations were not up to snuff for uh, no. the Reverend, and neither were C. Reginald Dalby's later. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so. But of course, the version that we're looking at now um, has the original Dolby illustrations, and right from the start, um, something that a lot of the original readers of the Railway Series and commentators on the Railway Series have have constantly stated is that what made the Railway Series stand out so much was that it was the the illustrations were so colorful, and they not were. just that they were so colorful, but that they took up a full, you know, not a full eight by 11 page but a full page in that small format but still yes a full a full page illustration was was rare at that time and especially in color for children right. uh right after the war so this right. was you know definitely um it was a huge selling point of the railway series and it really makes it stand out of from other children's stories of the era but right from the get-go um these illustrations uh Specifically, these Reginald Dalby re-illustrations are Mm -hmm. just so um, bright and vivid and and really evoke uh, a sort of British countryside um, that did exist at one time um, and eventually ceased to exist, really. But it certainly evokes that world.
0: It does. And I, I definitely agree with at least Dalby's illustrations evoking that. There's really not much to say about Middleton's illustrations, aside from that they weren't that great i mean some of them are okay but they looked they were very out of proportion the faces are all very clearly uh you know someone took well, middleton took a, a a small coin and you know traced it to make the faces it's it's just i i'm sure that there's a group of older people who may have actually grown up with this book that still have some nostalgia for those uh, for those images but we, the Dolby illustrations look more akin to uh, at that point in time the reverend's ideal of what Sodor should look like of course at this time Sodor wasn't didn't exist this was just a railway that could be anywhere so right absolutely and, a- and actually
1: of course um as we know, he originally did not intend for them specifically to be on the same railway. Right. Um, at, least, at least the stories of um, you, know, Edward's Day Out and Edward and Gordon, those um, on the same railway, of course, because of right. the same engines. But Henry, uh, the sad story of Henry, not specifically on the same railway. Right. Um, so you know, quite interesting. And then his publisher encouraged him to bring them all back together at the end. And then, of course, we've got the template really for all railway series books to come with four stories with the exception of one book later on. Um, right. but the f- four stories, um, and in some cases the stories tying together in some cases, not, um, right. But this really, you know, set the, set the tone, set the, set the template for, for future books to come. Um, and specifically the, the opening story is, it's a nice little story. Um, and it is nice. Uh, Edward is a nice character for, uh, for the railway series to start out with. Um, And if this had only, if this had been the only book um, or if he had never introduced Thomas, the tank engine, I'm not sure that the, that the series would have gone on. Uh, No, there was just something about, uh, about Thomas in the second book, which we'll get to, of course, um, that was just so appealing in his design and his character and in the stories. But this book certainly starts out with a, a nice, nice cute little story with edward's oh, yeah. day out um that not that much happens um no but uh
0: but but, Ed- yeah. edward is a you know he's he's a pleasant engine you know he's he's very nice i like you i don't know that the stories necessarily would have continued as they did if edward was the main focus but you know i i do think that as an introductory character he's he's good you know <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: and so that's, uh, you know, that's at Edward's Day Out. Um, it is. Out, of course, with the TV series, they combined that story into the next story, Edward and Gordon. Edward and Gordon is certainly a much stronger idea and a stronger story. Um, right. In terms of character interaction, um, we get, you know, it's still pretty basic character interaction. Just, you know, big, strong engine doesn't like weak, little, old engine. But right. other than that... <laughs>
0: Well, I, I, I would imagine that apart from, you know, his weekly sermon, that these stories were the reverend's first uh, att- attempt at writing, I would think. Right. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I mean, yeah. pretty much his only attempt at writing for the rest of his life. Um, right. Other than, other than a few uh, select books here and there, uh, Child Learns to Pray, some Railway real 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 railway books yes um
0: and the two belinda the beetle books right well one of the things that i always found interesting about edward and gordon is, and this is more to do with his narrative with because there are two versions of the audiobook for the first two stories uh because of course johnny morris is most known for doing the audiobook of the three railway engines But the Reverend himself also did an audiobook of the first two stories, uh, Edward's Day Out and Edward and Gordon. And I was actually just listening to his narration of Edward and Gordon a few days ago, actually on the 75th anniversary itself. One of the things that interests me, and this must have been changed for later publication, the version that I have, as I would assume most have, states uh, at the very end, Edward's driver promised him to paint, to give him a new coat of blue with red stripes. But in the Reverend's narration of it, he says blue with yellow stripes. And I have to imagine that it was either, I, I have to, I can't imagine that the Reverend would make a mistake like that, unless he had originally written blue with yellow stripes. And then later it got changed to blue and red to match the illustrations or, it could have been in a slip of the tongue i guess but i don't know
1: yeah that's that's a quite interesting um certainly quite an interesting observation um and uh yeah so you know edward, edward and gordon is a nice second story in the books book. um and uh of course introduces us specifically um in greater detail to to gordon as a character um and then uh we move on to the third story of the book the sad story of henry which yes. starts out with this lovely little rhyme um once an engine attached to a train was afraid of a few drops of rain it went into a tunnel and sque- squeaked through its funnel and never came out again um and that's a nice little uh little rhyme yes and actually it is uh i don't have my uh, copy of thomas the tank engine man on me but um uh, but that particular poem is reminiscent of another poem it um is. from a, a similar you know, collection of stories, I think from the actually from the Victorian era. Um, Probably. But, uh, and I would encourage anyone who's listening to this to seek out a copy of the Thomas the Tank Engine Man. I know it can be a little bit hard to find, um, but it, it's it's just a gold mine of great information, great pictures, um, and particularly on the process by which the Reverend developed Sodor and with George Audrey and also on just the, the general publication history of the railway series which isn't super well known so
0: right i i i myself do not have thomas the tank engine ma'am but i know that you and i have discussed it and you've told me about it before and it it sounds like a fascinating read and i hope to get it someday That's, I, uh, I, but yeah I, sad story of henry's great i i really enjoy sad story of henry uh, and it I liked Henry as a character. I'm sure I've mentioned before I liked Henry as a character and the poem's great. I find, and again, this is more to do with the, you know, growing up in the U S not growing up with the railway series until the age of like nine or 10. The ending of course is different than the ending that I'm used to, which, you know, we will leave you there for always and always. And then I think Henry deserved his punishment. Of course, in the U.S., in the TV series, it ends differently with the narrator asking the audience how long they think Henry will be shot up in the tunnel for. And so it's just interesting to see that, of course, as I said, the Reverend hadn't intended for these stories to be published. But even when he did, he had to be almost convinced to write the fourth story uh, because his original intention was just for Henry to be bricked up in the tunnel. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, and this is this story is interesting. It's
1: definitely my favorite of the four stories of the book. Um, yes, and it's interesting in that it introduces a couple of different elements. Specifically, um, the obvious one is that it introduces Henry, um, and right. that it also introduces uh, the fat director um, who would later become the fat controller, Sir so Topham Hat, of course. Um, yes. But the other thing that it really introduces into the series is comedy. Um, we don't really have anything that funny per se in Edward's Day Out or Edward no. and Gordon. This one actually introduces some genuine comedy in the uh, the exchange between the fat director and the passenger, saying yes. that his doctor has forbidden him to push and has forbidden him to pull, um, which is uh, a very funny idea. It is, and and you know, and this just also introduces a real darkness into the railway series as well, and a oh, seriousness, yes. a very British seriousness, a very. British bleakness, um, in terms of uh, and sternness of right. Henry just being boarded up uh, or bricked up into the tunnel for always and always, as you yes. say.
0: Yeah, it 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 is it's well. These are all very British stories, of course. I mean, obviously they were written by an English clergyman, but they're very British stories, especially this one. Um, but I I really. There's another reason why I like this story is going back to what you were saying about the introduction of the fat director, the fat director, especially in the earliest form of him is a gold mine of comedy. Uh, I, he, because of course the reverend modeled the fat director off of, you know, bumbling officials, uh, someone who is in a position of power and obviously Knows what they're doing to an extent, but is also very bumbling and gets ahead of themselves very easily, and uh, such as that. Uh, it's it's really a commentary on bureaucracy. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I found I, I find at least this earliest form, and that's not to say that the later form isn't. Uh, I I do find that the later fat controllers, um, because of course it's not the same, even though. It's never stated within the books. It's not the same fat controller throughout the entire series. I do find that later fat controllers are slightly more serious than this first iteration, but they still have, all of the fat directors and controllers have their moments. Right. Absolutely. Um,
1: and then of course our next, um, you know, uh, uh, to touch again on uh, the end of the the sad story of Henry. What's interesting too, is that uh, they, In the book, he states that they cut a new tunnel but the illustrations yes. show two tunnels right from the start. And really the illustration showing two tunnels right from the start is more realistic. The idea that they would have completely blasted through the, uh, the hill and built a completely new <laughs> tunnel is absurd. Um, it, it is. So, and that's, you know, so the fact that, that they included the illustration of the two boars, uh, right. the tunnel makes way more sense. Um, but uh it but does. then we move on to our next story edward gordon and henry yes and it's interesting right from the first line we changed the entire scope of the railway series yes. the other you know, the sad story of henry there's no mention of edward or gordon from the nope. previous stories or any
0: information really pertaining to the previous two stories which and was then... deliberate because as we said earlier these weren't necessarily going to be on the same railway Right, absolutely, and then of course with this,
1: right from the get go, the first sentence: Edward and Gordon often went through the tunnel where Henry was shut up. Right. So right from the get go, we establish, oh, these three characters—they're on the same railway. Right. Um, so that's a great—it's a great way to uh, to really bring these stories together, and mm-hmm. and right from there, we establish, oh, the railway series; these are all going to be set in the same,
0: you know, on the same railway in England originally. Right. Um, which but which then, was the point, of course, was yeah. uh, you know that the. Uh, The publisher, uh, the, the publishers would release the book under the condition that there was a fourth story that brought Edward Gordon and Henry together and of course brought Henry out of his predicament in the tunnel.
1: Right. Absolutely. Um, And I suppose that we should touch on the fact that, um, of course, um, as it's well known, that the vast majority of the railway series stories written by uh, the Reverend specifically, and I believe a lot of the Christopher stories, were based on real life incidents. Yes, uh, very much so. And or at least inspired by experiences. So specifically, um, you know, Edwards Day Out not really anything happens so very no. little. so that can't really be based on a true story but no. um but edward and gordon of course is was inspired by uh when uh the reverend w audrey was growing up in uh, near box tunnel um yes. and at the hill there he would when he was growing up in wiltshire he would hear the uh you know the the banking engine uh helping up the helping the other engine up the hill with heavy freight trains <laughs> So right. it's qu- quite interesting um, that he used that to inspire Edward and Gordon. And then, of course, uh, the sad story of Henry, I don't I'm not entirely sure uh, what basis that has. But
0: yeah, I I'm not 100 percent sure that it's based on any one incident. But, you know, uh, from my understanding, because I have I. One alongside the Thomas the Tank Engine Man, the other book that I hope to get someday, although it's even more unlikely, is Island of Sodor: Its People, Places, and History. Um, Its people, its history, its railways, right? That one too. Um, (laughs) That as well. Uh, But no, uh, I I hope to get that book someday. I do have Sodor Reading Between the Lines, which was basically Christopher Audrey's much shorter um, addition to that, and. While it does focus more on his own stories, naturally, uh, there is quite a bit of focus on his father's as well. According to, I don't have it right in front of me, but from my recollection, it's based on during the war, because these stories were written during this originally during the Second World War. There are accounts of, you know, if a train failed and it happened to be left in a tunnel, it's true were likely to just leave it there because, you know, there's a war on, they don't have time to necessarily get the train running again. So they just kind of had to leave it there. Right. Absolutely.
1: And uh, you know, specifically with Edward Gordon and Henry uh, the burst safety valve incident that Gordon has uh, in this particular story, I believe that was inspired by actual um, burst safety valves that were, that were occurring on engines at the time. Yes. And, and then of course, specifically on that, on, on those uh, types of locomotives as well
0: to, to a much lesser to, to a much less fatal degree. Yes. Obviously. Yes. <laughs> right. uh, yes. No. And, and that is really the inspiration for those four stories. Um, and it, and it, I, I think it's very interesting that right from the start with the exception of maybe the first story, how three out of these four stories are based on actual incidents. One of one from uh, the Reverend's childhood and two that were just regularly occurring railway incidents uh, for their time. And it's a trope that would continue throughout the rest of the series with a few minor exceptions. Almost every story was based on some incident and uh, I'll have to, for future episodes, I'll have to, reread uh, reading between the lines so that we can get a better idea of what some of these incidents were based on with, with some, it's going to be fairly obvious, but there are some stories where they're more obscure. And so I think it'd be good to have that information. So I'll, I'll work on that of course for future releases, but
1: yeah, absolutely. And, and then of course, um, you know, later, uh, you know, later we can, we can kind of retcon uh the, the timeline of the series of course um it, it does and, write on itself at times doesn't it absolutely um you know and of course with new information with with uh the island of sodor it's people it's history it's railways with additional super in-depth research from um many people in the fandom we have uh kind of pieced together a uh, chronology um right uh, throughout the railway series um but of course these original stories were not written with that intent whatsoever no. um, but it's fun to look back on these ones here in a more general light as opposed to a more specific light um with the yes. scrutiny of our uh, modern day uh you know sodor research um uh, but it is it's it, these are nice stories to read um they are great literature they are not but uh, <laughs> b- but an inspiration for uh you know, probably the, you know, the main constant in my life for, for many, many years. So, oh, very um, much so. and for Eight obviously, uh, you know, thousands of fans around thousands of, of us type, you know, the type of fans that we are and the millions of other, you know, children, of course, um, over the years. And, right. And many, uh, subsequent generations after this was
0: originally published in
1: 1945
0: so it it is fascinating us for us in 2020 it is interesting looking back on these stories because you know these stories were written 75 years ago and here we are 75 years later talking about them and discussing them some of us going very in-depth to find out exactly you know where these stories were inspired from and how they were written and such as that. And I, you know, I, I, it, it's very. I find it fascinating the the way that everything evolved from these four simple children's stories. I I don't think that the Reverend could have ever imagined that his stories would reach the heights that they have, for better or worse. Uh, you know, I. It's just. It's it's almost unbelievable when you think of the fact that this all started with a concerned father telling his sick child stories about trains with faces. Um, I I just I I just think it's incredible, uh, and yeah, it, it's I'm sure these stories or some form of them will be continued to uh, be loved for generations to come. I certainly hope so. Um,
1: and then, of course, at the end of the uh, of Edward Gordon and Henry, uh, Henry is painted blue, um, yes. and this caused some issues later on, um, which we'll certainly touch on in uh, <laughs> in, in later episodes uh, discussing uh, future railway series books. Yeah, but um, but yeah, that was the three railway engines. Great introduction yeah. to the railway series. Uh, great introduction to these three characters. Definitely, and actually, four characters if you include uh, Sir Topham Hat. Right. So, um, but yeah, it's a great start to the series.
0: I, I agree. It is a great start to the series. Uh, of course, uh, the three railway engines has been, is, is probably of the series, probably the, the version that, the, the book that has the most narrations of it, uh, because of course, there's uh, the Reverend's narration of the first two stories, Johnny Morris, who did the first several books, uh, did a full Audiobook of these stories, uh, and then Michael Angelus re uh, re narrated them. Uh, of course, Ringo did a narration of the TV version, and and then fans from all over the world have done narrations of these stories. I I know that a few were recently done for the seventy fifth anniversary, and I've listened to some of them, and they've been they've been good. So uh, it's it's interesting to see how far these stories have come. Uh, but yes this was a this was a good book and it's a great start to uh fantastic series uh and i i i don't know where we'd be today if we didn't have these stories it would be our lives certainly would be very different if if these stories had never existed because if these stories hadn't existed thomas the tank engine itself wouldn't exist very true so getting philosophical there for a moment um but either way uh we hope that you've enjoyed our look at the three railway engines it is likely that we'll be doing this for the other railway series books uh so but we wanted to make sure to do this while it was still within the year of the 75th anniversary um so yes and of course this will be in addition to our other commentaries you know our tv series commentaries and our shining time commentaries and there'll be other things that we do with this podcast as well uh but i'm very excited that we got to do a um a discussion on on definitely this book and there will be future books to come as well so uh, with that in mind, uh, just going to sign off here. Thank you very much for listening. And you can find us uh, really just about anywhere now. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at TalkingThomas1, uh, Facebook.com slash TalkingThomasPod. Uh, and of course, you can find us on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and our home of Anchor. So, and thanks a bunch for listening. Uh, happy 75th anniversary to the Railway Series. And we'll catch you next time.
1: Thanks for listening.